Hello, and welcome to episode 6 of STEM Insights, your guide to the latest news, views, and research in the world of STEM education. I'm Tim Bradbury, and this time, in the first of a two-part special, I'm joined by Joe Foster, Director of the Institute for Research in Schools, and Catherine Witter, to discuss IRIS research projects, their impact on students and teachers, and the research and innovation framework. Hello, so my name is Catherine Witter and I am the Senior Subject Specialist Science at STEM Learning. Hi, and I'm Jo Foster. I am the Director of uh, Charity, the Institute for Research in Schools. So hi Joe. I'm really excited about talking to you today as Director of IRIS. So before we go any further, can you explain a little about IRIS please? Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Catherine. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, so Iris is a charity that was set up in about 2016. And um, the aim of it essentially was to show that young people can do real research when they're still in school. So find out new things. Um, the tagline that used to be used a lot was where the answers aren't in the back of the textbook. So um, our mission is to have every young person in the UK be able to take part in real authentic research while they're still in school. Uh, I was having a look at the most recent impact report and it's great to see that such a high percentage of the students that engage with your research projects are from state funded schools and that over half of them are girls. So could you give our community some examples of the great research that the young people have carried out and the impact that the teachers involved could see on those students? Yes, absolutely. So you're, you're right. We're really pleased um, that uh, about half the students who do our research projects are girls. And uh, we know that the projects have a really big impact on students. But the first thing you asked is probably the most exciting, which is some examples of the research. Absolutely. So um, every year the students just amaze us with some of the things that they do. And uh, we are fortunate that we're able to invite them to come and share their research at our conferences. So we have conferences that run um, in different places in the country. So uh, last year we had uh, one in Bradford, one in Edinburgh and one in London and uh, just listening to some of the research that they've done is really fab. So the way that we work, we have some projects that we kind of offer, curated projects, which are kind of, um, I don't want to say oven ready, ball in the bag, but, you know, they're ready to go. So a teacher can just pick them up and start and a real variety of projects there. Like um, we've got some big data projects looking at um, data from the Atlas project at CERN or we've got um, and, and actually in that one, that's brilliant. Students get to use Python and Jupyter notebooks, and that's in collaboration with the Rutherford Appleton Laboratory. Uh, or we've got projects about uh, we've got a brilliant DNA origami project where young people can um, design and make shapes out of DNA. Um, but some really good examples of the sorts of things that students find out. So once students get involved in research, quite often they will move away from one of our kind of curated projects into their own piece of original research. Uh, so one that really caught my eye at the conference last year was a student who um, who actually his mother had suffered from kidney stones and was quite unwell with it. And he essentially found out that there are certain uh, items of food and drinks which have been basically told. She, she was told, oh, try this, you know, try that. This might help. Um, and he wanted to know were any of them actually real. So he, he experimented on different food items and on uh, a substance similar to what kidney stones are made of um, and discovered certain things which actually do. You can show that they do have some efficacy. Um, and actually that piece of research that he did, he used then to support his UCAS application to medical school. So um, right. obviously in his interview, that's something really practical he could talk about. Um, and you do have to be pretty resilient to do the projects. We'll talk our 
expect in a minute about the skills, but um, the opportunity for him to investigate something really important to him and then find out something new. I think that's what's really exciting. Uh, I mean, that sounds absolutely wonderful, you know, doing actually doing some research around something that's close to your heart where there's been a trigger like the one you've described. So that that's absolutely amazing. And, and what about the, then the, you know, the the impact that the teachers involved could see on the students? Was Were they more engaged in lessons or, you know, did, did you get any feedback from the teachers? Yeah, absolutely. So as you'd expect, um, you know, as part of our impact assessment, we we uh, we talk to the teachers and we ask them, you know, how um how this impacts the students and also how it impacts the teachers so i made some key findings i uh, i was a science teacher for 20 years before i became director of iris and uh, one of the key findings is that teachers tell us that their students are more motivated and engaged with science during and after an iris project so when they've taken part in an iris project they um they see the purpose of the science that they do so of the teachers that we surveyed three quarters of them said that there had been a significant increase in motivation and engagement in science from their students now as a teacher yeah. <laughs> that is something you know I'd rip your arm off you know that's yeah. a real win um but also bearing in mind that the students who often choose to do these projects are already the ones who may or you know may be interested in um in stem subjects and and stem careers so actually that's a that's a real um significant thing that teachers say they're even more interested the other thing uh, which i think is really important to talk about and I, i'll i'll explain it a little i expect your listeners will know about it already but um we like to think about the idea of uh, how engaged and involved people feel like they are in science we call it science capital so science capital is like a, a backpack of things and ideas and feelings that young people and older people but particularly we're talking about young people here have about science and um, what we often find is that students from more advantaged backgrounds often have higher science capital and that makes them more likely to choose um, stem careers and perhaps more likely to go into um, high paying stem jobs so stem jobs are brilliant for social if we can encourage more young people from sort of less well represented backgrounds to go into them, um, then that would be really powerful for for them, for their communities and, of course, for our STEM community where we would increase diversity and ideas. Um, so one of the things that we are really excited about is that teachers tell us, um, so nine out of 10 teachers told us that they felt that there was a significant increase in the science capital of their students. And as you've mentioned, these are students from all different sorts of schools. So we, we think their feeling of, I am a scientist, people like me are scientists. That's a really powerful change that teachers tell us they see in their students. I, I totally agree with that and I love listening to everything that you were saying around that agreeing wholeheartedly with it so you know in terms of the teachers are you seeing that the teachers who are supporting students going through the, the research projects is it is it sort of um, engaging them more with what they're doing as a teacher as well do you do you get that hint of excitement around a teacher who's supporting with a project yeah absolutely so um, one of the things which I was really keen to do as a so when I first joined Iris I was a teacher fresh out of um, I was a, a, a vice principal when I joined as director but previously previously that I'd had roles um, as a, a deputy head and a head of science which I think is the hardest job I've ever done um, Me too. and, <laughs> and uh, I mean gosh I've got twins plus another one and worked full-time and still the, the hardest thing I ever did was when I was head of science even before all that um, so yeah I 
I was super keen that these the work that we ask teachers to do and the projects that we ask teachers to do are absolutely as straightforward as they can be and don't, you know, put unnecessary sort of strain, additional workload on teachers. And that was something that we were really um adamant about really because the last thing we wanted to do and it is a significant concern um and it should be we don't want to increase teacher workload we don't want to give them something else to do what we wanted it to be was like a solution to a a problem or a question so um for me the solution you know the thing we sort of put forward is you know if teachers want to run some sort of club some sort of extension activity some sort of enhancement activity for young people you know what could we do that's really powerful really impactful and ready to go and that's how our research projects are put together. So um, we asked teachers about it. We asked teachers about, you know, what they think of our projects. And I thought rather bravely, we asked them, um, did doing Iris projects this year, did it did it increase or decrease your motivation to stay in teaching? Um, and actually, two thirds of teachers told us that they had felt more motivated to stay in teaching because they had taken part in this real research and of the remaining third nearly all of them were neutral there was only one teacher who said it did feel like it was an increase in workload um so that is a really big finding for us because actually um teachers telling us so we had teachers saying things like it was a breath of fresh air it was the thing that kept me going all week it was so um exciting to see the kids really get engaged um and actually they're also written the projects are also written so that once the kids have got hold of it they can fly on their own the teacher does not need to be an expert in you know dna origami or python programming or um any of the other fabulous things the students are doing um the teacher just has to essentially be available um, to sort of sit in a room, show them what the uh, where the resources are and then communicate with us if the students need additional support. But, you know, those are powerful statistics that you've just shared with me there. And, you know, it's just wonderful to think that that is the impact that this research project work is having you know since I joined STEM learning you know I, I've been hearing and, and talking about the fact that 69% only 69% if, if we take teachers regardless of phase or subject only 69% remain in teaching within five years of starting the job um, so I mean it, it, it's wonderful you know what you've just said there and it's it, it's brilliant isn't it to hear the, the excitement coming from them something that's that it's just they've really enjoyed doing and uh, because of the pace of the day and the workload you know it, it can't be underestimated can it that no that's that right got to do and I think something that really kind of uh, uh, impacted my thinking about this was that when I was in school I I was on the other side of uh, research projects so I, I helped to run research projects in the school I also was an EPQ mentor um, I could see the impact that they had on young people. And actually, I came across Iris while I was still in a school. Um, the, th the kind of sentiments expressed by the teachers that I now, you know, I now serve are the ones that I felt, you know, I, I've got a background in research, actually. I, I know not all teachers do, but most many teachers, although less than we would hope, I guess, um, do have a science background or a science degree. And they went into that because they loved science. They enjoyed it. They liked, you know, uh, what they came across and so 
when you teach science and I don't know if you found this yourself it sometimes can feel a bit like you know all the really exciting fun bits kind of gone out of it and what you're really doing is kind of just going through the curriculum now of course curriculum is really important but the stuff that makes you go wow and oh that's so cool is that it is the you know the creativity and the excitement of learning yeah. something new or you know when there's an amazing rocket launch and the whole class watches it and those moments that give you goosebumps that's what we want to bring to every teacher and every young person yeah that fabulous brilliant so you know just moving us on I mean I, I was interested as well in uh, the, you had a first awards ceremony didn't you back in September and I, I recall it was at the Francis Crick Institute so are you able to explain the categories of winners um, that, that you that you set up for that and perhaps explain the impact of the research that the winning team will have in the future yes completely so um we, as I mentioned earlier, we have our conferences and conferences are a hugely collaborative and supportive event where everyone gets to share their research. So we have their posters professionally printed, lots of them give presentations and they're not little events. So to, to give you a kind of the scale of it, you know, our, our largest conference in London had nearly 500 students there. It's in a huge conference centre um, and we had young people in year nine, I think the youngest was in year nine, presenting to a, this hall full of academic academics and professionals and people from industry and students and teachers, the work that they'd done. So um, what we wanted to do was recognise So some of those pieces of work um, students had really, really got very involved in, gone above and beyond or discovered something that was particularly impactful and we wanted to recognise those. So I'll just go through a few of the, the categories and sort of who won them and and where, where that might have gone next. So uh, one of the uh, examples was a school um, called Tapton School and they took our DNA origami project which I've mentioned before so we worked with a fantastic organisation called um, so it's the Bragg Centre for Materials Research they're part of the University of Leeds and together with them we wrote a project to raise awareness for young people of materials science which is something which kind of falls across lots of the different sciences and that was one of the things we wanted to show but has such enormous implications for the next 50 or 100 years on the planet um, the way that we use materials effectively um, the way that we find alternatives to materials that we use at the moment you know we need loads of material scientists to help us with this so Together with the uh, Bragg Centre, we put together this project where young people learn about using DNA as a material to make things. So a really um, the example we often give to the young people is the idea of a tiny, tiny, probably smaller than you can imagine, box that's made of DNA. It's like a hollow box. And the idea is that if you build it correctly with the right kind of hinges made of the right little pieces of DNA, you could design that box. You could put in it a drug that needed to be delivered to a very, very specific part of the body. And then you could um, design the box. So it opened at a very specific pH or a very specific chemical makeup. So you could imagine, for example, if it had to open in the gallbladder, that has a very specific biochemical um, kind of signature. So you could design a box that would just open there and it would be very targeted. It could be used for lots and lots of things. So that was the example that we gave to young people. And then we asked them, challenged them actually, to come up with some other novel applications and try to design them. And Tapton School, uh, so having done all that, learned to use the programme, made their own DNA smiley faces and looked at them on, under an atomic force microscope. Tapton School then came up with this original design and the design was for a Tesla valve, which is a valve that allows fluid to flow in one direction but not in the other. They designed a Tesla valve um, out of DNA and they proposed that a valve like this could be used to allow drugs or other 
you know, other substances to be directed only to particular types of cells. So you could allow it only to kind of lodge in particular cell membranes. And bear in mind, these are sort of 17 year old students yeah. who come, who'd come up with this. So um, that that's one example of the that was the best research project. There's lots of others, um, a student who's now at university actually studying uh, a STEM degree, who's now got a paper in press waiting to be printed in a, a peer reviewed journal uh, about unravelling the mystery of high energy cosmic rays. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was in the sixth form, quite a lot of my thinking was about like when the next disco was. So the idea, <laughs> <laughs> the idea of a student in, you know, year 12 unravelling the mystery of high energy cosmic rays still just amazes and delights me. Uh, and, you know, long may they continue to be students like that. That's fantastic. And, you know, listening to that example of the winning project there, you know, you were taking me back to sitting in university lectures. <laughs> you really were when I did my biochemistry degree. So thank you for that. I mean, how <laughs> exciting. And 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 how and these these were individual students. Am I right? Or was that a group of students? That's right. So they, so our best research project was a group of students. Uh, we had best student researcher. That was the high energy cosmic rays project. We all also had other prizes for best research team so we wanted to celebrate schools where actually they've really kind of developed this culture of research so we um that the prize for the best research team went to Liverpool Life Sciences UTC, where they've basically established their own research institute in the school, um, where lots of students, there's student leadership there. Um, they talk about how research gets done. They do their own pieces of research. Actually, they had a brilliant um, little project where they were making a kitchen waste digester so essentially they discovered that mealworms could digest certain types of plastics and they had they had basically designed this digester where you put mealworms in this really nice it actually didn't look too bad it, it was kind of disguised with a curtain um this this digester so instead of having to you know some of the plastics that perhaps couldn't be recycled could be digested uh, domestically instead so just some brilliant brilliant ideas um and then we had some special awards uh, one for a teacher who just made the most incredible impact on his school which was a school which was in quite challenging circumstances um and then one for a college where they had such an impact on their school through their project about lowering their carbon uh, emissions that the whole area um they essentially went to it so that it was on Guernsey they were asked to go along to the local parliament and help them to write the new kind of carbon plan for the island so they had an island-wide um you know policy uh impact through a project which started with three or four um young women in a classroom saying how can we make things better you know that empowerment is really important to us that young people feel as though they can make a difference they can do something so I think um we've noticed this year particularly young people who have felt that felt a bit helpless in the face of some of the things that are um, are happening around the climate emergency um but have been able to feel that they really are empowered to do something and to make a change through this sort of project And thanks there to Catherine and Joe. And we'll pick this up and discuss more next time, where Joe and Catherine will have a focus on examples of successful IRIS projects and the research and innovation framework. So that's almost it from us this month, but we just have time for a few reminders. First, British Science Week rocks up on the 10th to the 19th of March. Organised by the British Science Association, Science Week is a celebration of all things STEM. 
and this year the focus is connections. World Water Day is on the 22nd of March and the theme for the UN Awareness Day this year is Accelerating Change to Solve the Water and Sanitation Crisis. World Meteorological Day takes place on the 23rd of March, celebrating the establishment of the World Meteorological Organization. And World Tuberculosis Day is celebrated on the 24th of March, created by the World Health Organization to raise awareness about the devastating health, social and economic consequences of TB. This day fits wonderfully into the biology curriculum. As always, resources for all of these events can be found on the STEM Community Featured Resources page. Simply head to the STEM Community, log in at community.stem.org.uk and click Browse and Featured Resources. So that's it from me for March. Have a wonderful British Science Week if you are celebrating and please do share your events and successes on the STEM Community. Thanks again to Catherine and Joe, and I'll see you again in April for more STEM Insights. You have been listening to STEM Insights, a podcast produced by STEM Learning for STEM educators across the United Kingdom. If you have any questions, you can ask them in the STEM community. Simply head over to community.stem.org.uk and join the discussions.